Hello, welcome to Lights Camera Conversation with me, Sam, and David. So everyone owns a subscription to a streaming service or an on-demand service, and we bet that you're probably going to be sat on the sofa at some point this summer just chilling out and watching TV. So we thought we'd give you some of our summer streaming recommendations and also some of our summer streaming don't go there recommendations to uh, help you kind of identify what to avoid so you don't put loads of time into something that's particularly quite bad. So let's get right into it. Oh yeah, it's a tricky time, isn't it? Like this, the cinema is still not clear when they're, when they're going to be open. Um, was it Christopher Nolan's Tenant was meant to be a big thing that kicks it off, but that date keeps pushing. So so generally everyone's left with stuff to stream, whether it's uh, you know things that are easily available. Um, there's a big difference now, isn't there? A big since almost this new genre of stuff of, of uh, premium video on demand, things like Trolls World Tour and Scoob. I've come out, so also that's a bigger option. I know some people I know, they've, isn't it like 10, 15 pound for that rental for like 24 hours? And they've, you know, they've said they've watched it about 16 times in that thing anyway. So that's also something that people can go for. I've not done that myself, but uh, we have got some ones we can talk about here. Uh, something old, Sam, what have you been watching? We've got our something old, something new theme. Uh, I watched. I don't know if you can really call it old as such. It's because uh, it's had a new season this year, but it it started in I think it was twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Sorry, twenty seventeen. So long way off. Um, but I I watched Ozark. I binged all of Ozark on Netflix. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, it's essentially starring uh, Jason Bateman as this dad who ends up becoming embroiled in this uh, money laundering scheme and him and his family have to go live in the Ozarks uh, to essentially partake in this scheme, otherwise they're dead. And um, it's very Breaking Bad. Um, that's probably the biggest comparison. It's not as good as Breaking Bad, but it's it's way up there. It's really good. Um, and the later season, season three, was, was amazing. Um, it's very heavy, very heavy stuff. Like you watch it, and you can just from like the color scheme and how it how it's graded, you can tell ah, this is going to be, this is going to be pretty dark, and um, it is. But there's a lot of comedy because Jason Bateman's a comedian, and and he he directs a lot of the episodes as well. He there's a lot of comedy to it as well, so it's not all doom and gloom. But it's very tense, very atmospheric. Uh, it's funny, and you'll 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 be wanting to watch. You'll want to binge it as soon as you can, as much as you can. Yeah, I've only seen the first season. I don't know how I have not got round to uh, the latest ones for some reason. But yeah, I remember the first one. I did enjoy it. Yeah, it just like you said, it's got very Breaking Bad type vibes to it. Uh, it's well, that's what I really liked. I can't remember much about it, actually. All I remember is basically the first episode where they yeah they have to move there to a totally un unknown alien place to them. From what is it they can move from the city, don't they? And have to live in the, have to move to basically Holiday Lake. It was like a, uh, it, the Ozarks are like, kind of like our Lake District, I guess. And they obviously, they have to like get their fingers in businesses and start laundering money. And, but, you know, there's always like, there's always going to be something that's kind of been a barrier for them and they've got to get over that barrier and there's a good twist and a turn and stuff doesn't go right for them. And it's a dangerous world they're in with like this, you know, Mexican cartel. 
the laundering file. That's it, yeah, I remember now. It's coming back to me. But yeah, every episode, it just escalates into more and more. They get to get into more and more trouble, more danger, more threat. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable, but it's it's still like... It's, it's like I said, it's got comedy to it. Like, it's it's not all doom and gloom, and there's a lot of... It's kind of like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was a very tense show, yet there was a lot of comedy. There's a lot of silly moments. And it finds a tone really well. You know, it doesn't feel, like, too overbearing when it does do a comedy bit. It doesn't hit you over the head with it. It's normally quite subtle, and I think that's what Jason Bateman's quite good at doing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? He's uh, he's kind of mainly known for comedy roles and suddenly go to this kind of dark thriller drama with dark comedy in it. It's quite shift, but he does it really, really well. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive. It's definitely worth a watch. I mean, it's three seasons up now. They've got one more season left. Uh, that'll be, well, whenever this is all over and they get back to filming. But um, definitely worth a watch, especially if you're a Breaking Bad fan. Well, it might sound an obvious question then. You know, so what, what would you give it out of our kind of rating system? Is it good, bad, or was it ugly? It was good. It was really good. Absolutely. It was really high up there. Excellent. Uh, my turn, yeah. Something... Something old. Um, it's actually quite old, I'd say. So I have been watching uh, in our household. All, well, I actually finished it last night. All seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We'd seen them all before, long, long time ago. Uh, we noticed that was it a couple of months ago they were on E4 advertised. Uh, started watching it on there. So it's, and it's also then I suddenly noticed it was on uh, Amazon Prime without adverts. So ended up watching it from there. But it's, it's still on all all four so you can watch it anyone can watch it at the moment for free uh buffy the vampire slayer what can I, how, how do i summarize that um it was uh, <laughs> um it was based on a film from 1992 that that was kind of written by a game by joss whedon uh, it came out not very successful uh, and they developed it a couple of years later or five years later into the tv series starring uh, sarah michelle geller um title kind of gives it isn't it it's Buffy she's one of yeah it's hard to explain isn't it I'm trying to think about if you don't know what Buffy is how do you explain it yeah Buffy's the main character she is a vampire slayer so there's basically the town she lives in uh, it's basically a hell mouth underneath so there's all sort of vampires monsters demons uh, it's actually watching it back again I appreciate it a lot more uh, it's very well written all the story arcs for all the characters and the main big bad character, the main bad guy of each series. It does have a really good arc throughout the series, as well as the, you know, really like the odd uh, comedy episode or Monster of the Week's episode that's stuck in there as well, but it still keeps that overall arc of that season and driving characters, uh, kind of progression of their character forward as well. Yeah, I, I've never properly watched it. I, I watched two episodes with my uncle when I was a bit younger because um, he really enjoyed it. And it was, it, I, I quite liked what I did see of it. And I was obviously younger, so I wasn't, I don't remember it too much. But I know it's very successful. It's one of those cult hit shows, isn't it, that everyone goes back to now and yeah. again. Um, and Joss Whedon's kind of a big influencer, I suppose, in, in film in filmmaking and, and TV. He's looking at like Firefly and all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those big, it is a big show, I've just never got around to it. I mean, it takes a lot of a lot of genres, so it's, yeah, it's supernatural, horror, comedy, drama, teen drama, a lot of people kind of pull, pull a face when you say teen drama, but it, that is kind of really kind of one of the sub-genres as it were, 
Yes, action, fantasy. Yeah, I think the, the issue with is kind of season series like this back kind of from that time, you know, late 90s into kind of the 2000s. It's like there's stuff series like this where there's 22 to like 24 episodes. And you'd think half of them are just kind of a bit, ugh, a bit meh, a bit drab. And you're like, no, this would be, you'd think this would be a lot better if it was more like, you know, 12, even 16 sounds a lot. There's a lot of series kind of haven't they the last four or five years. I can't think of examples like, like Game of Thrones, like any Netflix original series, Stranger Things, where I think it's more, maybe a bit more down to budget, but it is quality over quantity, you know, not having to have an episode to come out every week for like the autumn, winter season to being on TV. I guess that's sort of the shift, isn't it, from the pattern of something being every week on TV, or nearly every week, to having it come on streaming service where they'll just put the whole season on in one go and you could just binge it in you know that first weekend yeah one thing we really liked with Buffy is like is the characters are all really likeable uh, the main ones so that's why I think you stick with you stick through the um, the not so strong episodes uh, there are some really people might have seen bits of them or or watched some of like really standout episodes are um, once more with feeling which is a 100% or well, nearly 100% musical episode where a demon comes in and the whole town instead of speaking they have to sing so the entire episode is everyone singing but it's not just singing for the sake of it they end up it's making them being completely honest with each other so if all the people in each other's relationships with each other are actually being honest through song so it resolves a lot of things that have been building up for quite a long time so it doesn't just isn't just monster of the week and make everyone sing. There's a lot of story that and a lot of stuff is resolved, and then in the following episode, I'll kind of a lot of people go their separate ways. Or it's a really big shift in in that season. Another one that people might have seen is called the, or know about is the Hush, uh, where these de <laughs> these demons take everyone's voices away, so no one can speak. So the whole episode is people try, is not speaking. It's basically a silent episode. Uh, I remember jo I reading something about it recently saying Joss Whedon, he, he got sick of people like critics saying he just, he relies on just lots of witty banter and quips to get through an episode. So he's like, okay, I'm going to write one where no one speaks and just prove, ev prove everyone wrong. So uh, they were two, I think, the best episodes in out of the hundred odds, the um, one where no one speaks and then the one where everyone sings. So uh, if you're just going to watch two episodes, I'd say people hunt out those. So it's Hush and Once More with Feeling. Awesome. Uh, Jim, you've, you've really like, intrigued me there because I like it when shows will go off the beaten path and do that kind of one-off episode where it's a little bit bizarre and not like itself. They're always really good ones. Yeah, so that's uh, Amazon and currently all four on demand. Sam, any um, anything else old you've been watching? Uh, well, it came out last year, so it's not too old, but um, I watched it recently. Kind of the same with Ozark, but... Uh, it's another TV show, and it's coincidentally got Jason Bateman in it, and he directed the first episode. But mm -hmm. it's it's a Stephen King adaptation called The Outsider, and it's a it's just a limited series that was on HBO. Uh, you can watch it on HBO Max, I believe, and it's available on Amazon, I think. Um, but this this is a it's I mean if you know Stephen King, you know what he's about. It's kind of hot, you know, it's it's horror. 
Um, and it's, I'd compare this to it. It's essentially about this man who, Jason Bateman, who is wrongfully accused of murdering this little boy um, as he's seen uh, at the scene of the crime. However, he wasn't in that place. The guy says, you know, I wasn't there. Uh, I have proof I was at this this conference, blah, blah, blah. And the detective played by Ben Mendelsohn, who's amazing in this, is just, he can't fathom it out at all. And he ends up getting this other detective in, played by Cynthia Ervia, who's also amazing in this. And the two of them have to crack this case. And it's Stephen King, so it's a bit supernatural. Um, and, yeah, I, the, the, I think the thing with this show is that it starts off really good. It's really tense. The mystery's there. You're really, really haunted. However, about four episodes in, they start to unveil what the thing is. Um, and at that point, you're like, oh, okay. It's like that whole thing in, you know, in horror, sure, don't tell. And that's what the problem with the series is because if they, you, you're left, because in the second parts, the two, sorry, the second and the last part of the series, it doesn't feel as horrific or tense. It's still entertaining, but when you know what the thing is, you're like, oh, okay cool it just feels like a, a kind of like a scooby-doo thing where they're trying to find this monster it feels quite it doesn't feel as as tense as it did and it's by no means bad but it it definitely lacks it's worth a watch i would definitely say because the mystery of what it is is quite good but it feels like it could have been a lot shorter that's what i'd say so where have you been watching that i've not heard of this uh hbo well it's on hbo max and amazon we watched amazon uh, I don't think it's on there anymore, though. I think they took it off and I had to pay for it. So we got in there quite quick. Um, but it, it's it's interesting. It's a limited series. It's worth a watch. Like I said, it's very grimy. It's very dark as well. It it's, it's hits all the beats of a Stephen King story. I'd, I'd compare it to It in terms of what the the, the enemies are quite like. Um, and the characters are brilliant as well. They all have to go for the personal demons and stuff. And Jason Bateman, he, as I said, he directs an episode or two. Um, and he's in it as well, which is good. So, but it, as I say, I think that's the problem. It, it has a really, really good start with the cast, and all the acting is is amazing. It just feels like they reveal it a bit too soon, and because of that, you you end up being like, oh, okay, I know what it is now, and it starts getting a bit fillery. Like, oh God, it's dragging on a bit. Um, from I've not read the book. I'm a big Stephen King fan, but I've not read the book, so I can't really compare it to that. Um, but now there's rumours there's going to be a second season and it's like, uh, why? Mm. Is that or just be made up, I guess, not Stephen King, as it were, or is it? I, I don't think so, no. I think it's just the one book. The, there's an there's a end credit scene and it's a bit like at the end of the season and it's a bit like, ah. Uh, but I think what's really good about it is it's left ambiguous without spoiling it because for anyone who wants to watch it, but it's left ambiguous. And it's quite nice. It's like, okay, it could be leading to another season, but it's also, it, it, it's closed quite well. The doors close really well. You just reminded me of one of your other favourite series on Netflix, 13 Reasons Why, about how, about how um, the first season is, is really good. It's based on a book, so it's not obviously word for word, but you've got this huge uh, amount of text for a source material. And then the second season, you know, because the first one did well, like, oh, quick, we've got to make a second one. Oh, but there's no book, so we'll just get all our writers together and come up with some stories quickly and how that just doesn't work as well when you've just got a book. It's kind of like Game of Thrones, isn't it? They 
they had all the books the first few seasons uh, and then they just got ahead of ahead of him writing the books so they kind of had to just not make it up but it wasn't coming from the author so it's just not as good in general so it's not for everything but that's quite a common theme isn't it yeah and you can tell you can tell when like, I, I know game of thrones is a good example you could tell when they stopped following george R. R. martin's books the writing just wasn't to that standard because they didn't have his input they didn't they weren't going off anything that was already pre-written and i think that's my fear of a lot of things it's like i oh, just just do the one book and leave it people will like it it's but i get i guess that's not the way that hollywood and stuff works so um but yeah i'd put this in my it's good i'd say it's worth a watch once but i would never go back to it i think that's the thing so i i I wouldn't say it's bad, but in this, we'll call it, the, we'll put it in the bad category, I feel. So, so another two, well, I'm going to do a slight combo of two old things that kind of relate quite similar to each other. Uh, recently, I've watched two films, one on Netflix, which is Dante's Peak, uh, and one on Amazon, and Amazon, which is Twister. So two kind of natural disaster 90s action films, which I remember quite fondly seeing at cinema and seeing if you're on TV after, but obviously not for a long time. So like, oh, let's watch these again. Uh, Dante's Peak. The one thing that really stood out for me of how good all the special and practical effects are in this film is hard, you know, the odd, you know, visual effect of, is not that perfect, but the special effects is incredible. Like it must have done so much practical work, huge teams to do. There's so many like buildings get destroyed. Uh, obviously lots of lava, smoke, ash. As, as I'm sure there's like lots of rear projection stuff going on as well, because some things going, wow, how did they do that? That's totally seamless. And that's kind of the main thing that stood out to me of how good the uh, the effects were. Uh, and then I just looked, then I looked like, oh, did this get nominated for an Oscar? Uh, actually it didn't, because it was up against that same year, 1997, uh, uh, Starship Troopers, Titanic, and Jurassic Park, The Lost World. So it had some Tough competition there. Uh, anyway, let's get back to more of the story on visual effects. Uh, uh, two main stars, Pierce Brosnan, who at the time, he had, yeah, just, just become James Bond, I think. I did Goldeneye like the year before. Uh, and Linda Hamilton, Terminator films, yeah, nice known for. So it's um, uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, he's a, a volcanologist. Vulcan? Yeah, volcanoes, not Star Trek. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience of being in bad situations where volcanoes have exploded before. So he works for um, the what's it they called USGS, United States Geological Service. So if there's any spiking activity, some dormant volcano, they'll go and give it some checks to see if it's okay. So they go to check this really rural mountain town uh, where Lyndall Hamilton is the mayor. So he does various tests. Uh, he believes because he's seen it all before that. This is going to explode. The volcano is going to blow. Where everyone else is saying, "No, no, it's fine," because he said we've got to evacuate the town, and of course, no one wants to believe him because uh, the whole town—they're like, was it their council—all think, "No, no, we've just had lots of investment. We're not going to go anywhere just because one guy's come up and says." Uh, and then, of course, he's right, and all all chaos breaks loose as the volcano starts to erupt, and that's what it becomes a big crazy adventure film. So it's very, it's probably 90s, where I think it's the same as Twister, like every, those sort of films all kind of have the same look, it's like they're all shot by the same cinematographer. 
I've I've never heard of Dante's Peak. I've heard of Twister. I think everyone's heard of Twister, but I've never heard of Dante's Peak. That's I'm not a clue. Um, but I've not really watched any of the old like disaster movies. I guess you could you could maybe put Independence Day in there. It was that yeah that sort of time in those three or four years though they were in there. It's it's got a similar, but I think you compare. Also, Independence Day is again one of my favourite films. So yeah, it's it's definitely you know if that in that category. But yeah, this is really good. I think action, yeah, disaster film. I'm looking at kind of how it didn't make much money. I think it came out like January, February time, so it wasn't like a summer. A summer film, which I think obviously dense films like this, it definitely feels like when I fought back, it's like, oh, this definitely came out in summer, and then oh no, it came out, yeah, I'm looking at it now, 7th February. It's like, hmm, I guess that was a busy summer trying to compete with, you know, Jurassic Lost World, Starship Troopers, and, and Titanic, and so on. Uh, what else? Swiss Twister at the same time, I watched that the other day, and that. I don't think the visual effects held up at all and it kind of really took me out of it and there's so much and the characters seemed all really annoying. I, mean, I like Bill uh, Bill Pullman, or Bill Paxton rather. He's really good in it but yeah, yeah that was no way as good as I remember. It's like the other way around it seemed to be. I felt like Dante's Twister was the stronger one at the time but watching back it's like oh, Twister it's not very good. It does have a young Philip Seymour Hoffman in it playing some sort of stoner guy as part of their team. He's quite amusing. But yeah, if I kind of to rate those, I would definitely say Dante's Peak is definitely good. And unfortunately, I put Twister in the kind of the bad, the bad category. Cool. Um, well, I'm going to talk about something that's an absolute stinker now. Mm. Um, this, is, this is quite a new film. Um, it's a Disney Plus uh, original. Well, I say original, I don't know. I think they, they, they plan to release it in cinemas, but then obviously uh, Global Pandemic, um, Artemis Fowl, uh, which is just not good at all. There's nothing there's nothing winning about it. I mean, I only watched it. I never read the books, but I only watched it because I really like Kenneth Branagh as a director. I think he's really good. Um, yeah, yeah, I like some stuff he's done. Yeah, and it's got a reasonably okay cast. It's got Colin Farrell in it, who I absolutely adore. Judi Dench can't go wrong. And then you've got Josh Gad's growing on me a bit. I liked him in Murder on the Orient Express, which was a Kenneth Branagh movie. And that's like the only film I actually quite like him in. So I was like, okay, well, if there's another Kenneth Branagh film he's in, I'll give it a go. And it was it was just horrible. It was just not a good movie. Just I think the problem with it is, is I mean, it's a kid's film, but I... I do not see a kid liking this at all. I think they'd be bored through it, to be honest. Um, it's the acting's just horrible, <laughs> and I think that goes for every <laughs> single person, especially the main the, the main kid who, who plays um, Artemis Fowl. I think he was absolutely dreadful, um, and I, I, it was just so boring. And I think it's it's the, half the film just takes place in this one mansion, his mansion. But you look at the trailer, and it looks in lots. I'm kind of looking at it now. Um, just on IMDb. In fact, it's got 4.1 out of 10 average. Is uh, it doesn't it doesn't look good. I would even put it there. I mean, it's it's based on this book about this like this kid who becomes like this supervillain, and he's like there's like an underworld of like loads of creatures, like fairies and stuff, and all this. I don't know too much about it, but from what the film kind of described was that this underworld of fairies or something, and his family's special and stuff. 
and I, I but I just couldn't follow it because I was just like I'm so bored and it, it that was the problem and I think a lot of people I mean one of my friends he read the books and he said the problem with it was was that in the books he's a super villain but he's the protagonist it makes it interesting whereas in this he's just a he's more of a hero and apparently Disney changed it because they wanted him oh. to be more likable and Here it's I like well, <laughs> it's like no keep it why would you do that it's like that makes it interesting that he's a supervillain. It might have given it a bit more flair, and but in this, it's it's just like a big CGI nightmare with really cringy acting, really cringy dialogue. There's just nothing entertaining about it. It's like I said, it's it's set in this one place. It never really moves along. The like, there's no stakes or anything. It's just it feels like it's a film that probably came out in like the early two thousands, but we kind of went under the radar. It feels like one of those movies. It doesn't it just doesn't feel like a 2020 movie it doesn't feel like and i think that's the problem it got put on disney plus and everyone just really didn't like it i thought it was terrible and it's a shame because i really like kenneth branagh yeah i think i guess maybe why they did it i wasn't it filmed like a few years ago and it's, it kept being delayed for trying to fix it or whatever reason and then it's obviously because every all you know everything because everything's happened it's, it was due to be released like in june wasn't it and it's like they must have thought you know this is not very good this was not going to make much money when the cinemas are back so let's just literally dump it on Disney Plus and make it look like it's a much bigger thing than it is. Like, but if, if, it was, if I think it was made for Disney Plus, you'd think, you, would you find, kind of forgive it a bit more? So it was made for streaming rather than made for cinema. Well, I think what had happened was they'd made it, but it was under the Fox name, Sorry, Century Fox, and then Disney bought Sorry, Century Fox and stuff. Mm. And, All right. And so they were like, oh, we've got to get this out. And I think they were going to release it in cinemas, and they were just like, eh, I'm not bothered, let's just stick it on Disney+. Plus." Um, which I, I imagine if it was in, I don't know, I don't know if it would have done worse in cinemas, to be honest. I thought people wanted something new to watch, and I guess it, I think it would have done better on streaming, which it has been watched quite a bit, but I reckon cinemas it might have tanked a bit, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when it was came out a few, well, a month or so ago, everyone was straight away saying, no, this is a real stinker, it's like, okay, even though I've, got Disney Plus and I could just flick through it. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to give them that that extra view. <laughs> I wouldn't. I mean, I, I mean, that's a big warning. Don't put it on. Even if it's for your kids. Your kids won't like it. It's just, it's not a good... There's plenty of other Dis, old Disney movies you can watch on there that are far better than that. Um, and if you like Kenneth Branagh, watch uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the newer one. That's a really good movie. Or even like the, the first Thor movie, he did that. And Cinderella, which is also on Disney, the live-action one from, what's it, four or five years ago. He directed that, and that's pretty good. Yeah, I've not seen that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another one. Yeah, that, that was the first of the new wave of let's do a live-action of our old back catalogue of animated films. Because we're lazy. <laughs> we have no original <laughs> ideas. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, my turn for something bad, is it? Um, well, something bad and very disappointing has been uh, on Netflix, The Sinner season three. I don't know what has happened there. I mean, the first two seasons, um, it's kind of, an, uh, it's all about this uh, grisly, disheveled kind of old detective played by Bill Pullman who, who investigates these very unusual cases. So each season is about a different case. Uh, the first two were pretty good and suddenly this third one is, <clears throat> I don't know what they've been doing. It's just completely different. And it just feels so absolutely unbelievable and well, not realistic. And just I'm just trying to just force myself to watch it going, what is he doing? 
It's a totally this character. He wouldn't do that. He didn't do this in the other series. Why is he doing it now? The police wouldn't do that. This is just. I mean, you've got to give it some credit how it does come and go back and forth, showing, revealing stuff. But you kind of know who the bad guy is instantly, and it's just, it just reveals too much straight away. And the guy goes out on like some crazy bender in New York, and he ends up just going with him all night just to keep tabs on him, like joining in. And at home, he's got a wife who's just had a kid, and it's just I just can't. I don't know if I can finish it. I think I've watched four or five. I know there's only eight. I'm like, how? What a massive drop in in well, consistency and story and character from the first two. I've seen advertised, and I really, really like Bill Pullman, and I was intrigued at first because I think he's a really good actor. And it looked like one of those. It, when I saw the trailers, it looked like a very Ozarky-style show. It is, yeah. Tone. It is, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but I've not watched it. But knowing you said that, it makes you like, eh, I don't know if I feel like watching. If it's but, if it's if it's not got like that longevity, I don't know. I said the first two seasons, which were still on Netflix, are really good. But this third one, I don't. It's, I don't know what, it's just totally so different. It's like a completely different team have come in and, and done it. You don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> it's like, oh no. But I, I've seen Al making a fourth one. I thought like, maybe it can redeem itself by there. So I don't know, it's just kind of half and half, isn't it, Al? It's like, I think you could still watch the first two and skip the third if they made a fourth. Like, it's a, there's not much that you could, that carries on from his story. Like, I think he's something to do with his ex that comes up a few times in the second season, but. They are kind of quite self-contained. But yeah, season three of The Sinner it is really, really ugly. And if you haven't started it, I would skip it. That's a shame because I, I do really like Bill Pullman. I think he's a really good, um, he's a really underrated actor. Hearing that, it's a bit... Yeah, I mean, he kind of sings praises a bit more on the first few seasons. Like He's investigating these kind of grizz this grisly, very bizarre crime. But he also has his own issues with his health, his marriage, and kind of his own, his own sanity for one reason or another without spoiling anything. So it's, 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 a, it's a lot of layers to that, but then you get to the third one and it, it's not, it's kind of skips a lot of that. About, you know, it's not really about him, it's about this guy that he's following, it's just, who seems really unlistic all the things that he'd end up doing. Cause sort of sticking on, back to Disney Plus, uh, I've watched, well, twice this last week is, is Hamilton, the uh, filmed, version of the Broadway show that came out was like five years ago now. So Disney bought the, acquired the rights to this film, well, the filmed version of the original Broadway cast uh, earlier this year. I was reading that it's, they paid $75 million for the rights to, to have this, which is what, it's like a, a record for the rights of something that already exists. So that's quite a quite a thing. Disney obviously really, 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 really wanted it. They're up against Netflix and Amazon and other studios like Warner Brothers. Or I was reading. Uh, yes, it's, it's the filmed version of the stage performance. It was filmed actually four years ago with the original cast, twenty sixteen. Filmed as three performances, obviously edited together to make it look like one. Because there's lots of scenes and lots of things going on with the uh, with like a steady cam right up really with them. You know, if you're looking over people's show, shoulders on the stage, and obviously you can't film that. An audience watching, and there is an audience watching because you do hear them react and laugh and, and stuff and clap at various points where they would do, which kind of makes it, which really works, I feel. 
Oh yeah, it's quite a long musical. It's about two and a half hours. So it's divided into two acts, like uh, most musical theatre or uh, stage performances are. Uh, so basically, it depicts the life and career of Alexander Hamilton, who was an orphaned immigrant from the Caribbean islands, who ends up arriving in New York. Uh, so he ends up going fighting with with kind of George General George Washington uh, in the American Revolution, uh, and it's, it does cover kind of 20, 20, 30 years of his life in this two hours. Uh, and it's really interesting of that that period of the American Revolution, and then how he became Secretary of the Treasury uh, of the United States. And the main theme of it is really about his his friendship with other character called Aaron Burr, of how they started off as friends and they helped each other, and how they almost pretty much became enemies by the end of it. They ended up in a literally a a gunfight duel at the end. But also tales that really cleverly with friends that he made, a uh, story about his wife and his child. So it's all intertwined, really clever. And obviously, it's 100% musical, so everything's sung. But the main thing that makes stands out to other musicals is that it's a lot of rap and hip hop, along with traditional musical theatre. It's some of the song singing is so quick. I was, I was reading something, someone saying that if um, the amount of lyrics that are said in this are spoken or are sung in this if that was in a normal kind of musical then it would be about six hours so it's just quite, it just shows you how much content of words are done in that in that two kind of two and a half hours uh, it's really interesting stuff how the the rap kind of develops like the rap at the beginning is is very slow and how that develops as the characters develop how it becomes so early, early rap to more modern rap. Some characters sing only in musical theatre style. Wow, I uh, I really like the American Revolution. Like, I, it's just a really, I love my history. Um, and I, I had no idea it was based on that. I the, the name Hamilton no. didn't even like it didn't even click. So that's that's interesting. I just never looked into it. I just thought it was a popular oh, thing, yeah. but. I, I just kind of like, was like, oh, it's a musical. I, mean, I don't mind some musicals, but I was like, ah, oh, whatever. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of musicals that I end up watching because my wife is involved in musical theatre and opera. And, and a lot of things, musical theatre and opera, I, I try to struggle with things to do for how my ears are tuned, that to struggle to understand of what people are singing when it's like, especially opera. But for this, it seems to be like I can hear pinpoint every word. I don't see because mixture of rap and modern music, hip hop, even with even with, you know, traditional musical theatre. Mm, wow, oh, I, might, I might have to give that a go. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. I, just, yeah, I didn't know. Like the George, you know, George Washington was the general, were fighting, and he was leading them. And then, in the second half, of the so Act Two is then. Obviously, George Washington is now president. It covers such a big time scale, time span, but does it so well, and you don't really notice because a lot of times that the date is said, beginning of a beginning of a song and you're like okay a little bit of time has passed oh okay years passed or six months have passed like a, a whole like year battle is just summed up in like 30 seconds it is a really interesting history lesson and really catchy catchy music i could say i guess a good one for us to wrap up on might be uh something we both watched and both really like because what we do in the shadows season two. Oh wow yeah <laughs> i mean i I absolutely adore the movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And then they, they adapted it into a TV show last year. 
and season two came out and I just I binged it um last week on BBC iPlayer and it's 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 fantastic. Yeah. I think I've got one or two to go, but yeah, I'm just I'm just smiling and laughing the entire way through. It's just so silly. It's essentially a, a mockumentary style like The Office and such, where they, they talk to these vampires in uh, America. It's got Matt Berry, uh, cast his name, phone jacker guy, Kevin, Kevin Novak, that's yeah. his name. Um, and it, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's, she's been on 8 eight out of 10 cats and stuff. So it's really good. It's really good. It's, it's done by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, who did like Flight of the Concords and, and obviously Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok. Um, Taika Waititi's kind of made us a big name for himself. And it, it's it's just it's just balmy. It's just so stupid things going on. They, they play with a lot of different like horror tropes and stuff, and they, they tend to comedy like you know. I, I love the idea that one of their familiars is going around killing vampires because these vampires are trying to kill them he's trying to save them and stuff but he can't tell anyone because killing a vampire is like an offense and stuff and like it's just funny how he's like covering it up and and stuff it's 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 just stupid and matt berry's character have you seen the episode where, where mark hamill's in it yes where he goes to go off and has that bar <laughs> yeah he just starts a new life because he has somebody to mark hamill who who plays a vampire in it and he starts a new life in this bar. He looks like he's been there for months. And then it just says, one week later. <laughs> you're like, wow, brilliant gag. Just a little bit of text. <laughs> and he comes back, doesn't he? And Nando's like, oh, you're not, oh, yeah. you're, Laszlo's just saying, you're not happy to see me. I'm back. And uh, Nando's like, well, you're only gone for a week. <laughs> I've said welcome back. What else do you want me to say? Yeah, things like, yeah, I just love it. Every, literally every every line or and everything that happens on screen is just or visual gag. It's just constant. See, I was worried because I'm such a big fan of the film when I watched the first season. I was like, I really like the people who are in it. And I know what TT and Jermaine Clement have done a couple of episodes, but not written all of them. I'm like, I'm really worried they won't be able to capture the same magic or it'll feel too samey. What I really like about it is the the, the writing team's quite diverse. They've all got the different like different ideas and they managed to keep it fresh. It doesn't feel like it's getting old at any point. And I feel like that's something I was worried about with, with it originally. And then I thought, well, season two, and if they're going to run out of ideas but no they, they they do keep it fresh and there's a long-running plot going on with the familiar and stuff and they get it they really really pin it down really well and there's some great like you know guest stars like mark hamill uh, and craig robinson uh yeah Haley joel osmond was in the first episode wasn't he of this second series yeah it was forgot about him um and in the first season they get loads of, like vampire like classic vampire acts in like wesley snipes and evan rachel wood and then even like with tt and clement Reprise their roles in the vampires yeah, yeah. in the film. Yeah. Tilda Swinson, I remember. Oh, yeah. And Dave Batista <laughs> as well. It's such a silly show and it's so accessible as well. Like, it's got adult humor in it. It's got like quite silly humor. It's 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 just ridiculous. Like, one of the vampires is he's not really a vampire. He's just like, he looks like an ordinary human guy, but he drains people with like boring them and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Colin, the energy vampire. Can't remember why he lives with them, but yeah, so he, he can just drains the energy of humans and vampires just by boring them or frustrating them. <laughs> I, 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 but he just looks like a normal guy, and it, it's Colin Robinson. That's it. That the, the one of I think the best episode of, I think is the one just literally about Colin, where he gets a promotion at work, and it just gives him more power. Yeah, it forms. Yeah, it allows him to drain people and even plants. He walks past a plant and it just dies. <laughs> 
it's just the, the sheer ridiculousness of it. You know, these are like these horrible monsters that k- kill and murder people, but you've got like a documentary team, human people just following around everywhere. Yeah, everyone you just accept that, that there's a, a film crew following these vampires and there's and these monsters, vampires, and everyone's just, there's a lot of death, but yeah, everyone just accepts it. That's totally fine. Yeah, I think mean, that's what the first film did really well. And um, I mean, it's that's a film I could go back to all the time. I think that's on Amazon at the moment, if you want to watch the, the original film. I think it's good to watch the original film, then the series. But what I felt really like about this series as well, that there's there's no CGI effects. All just, all just Everything is practical. I remember really except that they took inspiration from uh, quite an old film now, early 90s, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, where you know, it wasn't really good CGI events, so everything was practical effects. So they did as much as possible in, do all of that in camera. So it is like a document, more, it is real, because it's like supposed to be a documentary. So things like when things happen, it happens, obviously when he turns into a bat and stuff, that's CG, but I think the majority of it is. Yeah, that's currently on BBC I, BBI, on Vave on BBC iPlayer, isn't it? So you can watch those all, and they're all 20, about 20 minutes. So yeah, like you said, if you binge it, you can watch, we can just over an hour you can watch three of them and there's out of ten so you can a couple hours you could watch it all but i've been I'm, i've been staggering it watch maybe two at a time so i've got how many left i've just watched yeah on the run so there's like yeah about four left for me awesome that's really good yeah worth a watch and i said give the film a go as well because that's just as good <laughs> um but yeah i think that about right. there's plenty of Stuff to get people for people to sink the teeth into there, and stuff to not sink the teeth into as well. Yeah, keeping with the vampire theme of today. Yeah, <laughs> Did you, that just totally <laughs> went over my head. That I thought it's been really clever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I want, I want. <laughs> That's great. Um, fantastic episode. Fantastic. Yeah, we're really uh, batting them over the head with these puns. Yeah, back to our coffins uh, for slumber. Yeah. <laughs> until until next time. See you later, guys.